0: What's up? Thank you, worship band. Uh, I love this Rod. I call him Roger Dodger. Uh, My name is Eric. I'm the Next Generation's pastor here at Hope, so welcome you. Um, I've been gone the last couple weeks in a few different places, and I'll tell you, it's a a great blessing to be home and to sing of the beauty of God. Uh, Last weekend, we were at the National Youth Workers Convention. Stuart and I were there. Is he here? There he is. What's up? Uh and we got to worship with five thousand youth pastors from around the country. Uh but I'll tell you I was as touched this morning by Roger and the team leading worship. So thank you guys for giving your gifts. Um we have amazing musicians who are willing to do that week in and week out. And that song that they sang, this that song about wanderers, it's so fitting because we're finishing today the series of guardrails, and we've talked about how to stay on the road, right? Uh But today I'm going to talk a little bit about the fact that we sometimes fall off the road. And I love the fact that there's a song that talks about wanderers come home. Because the truth is, is that ain't one of us perfect. And ain't one of us haven't fallen off and missed the guardrail. You know what I mean? And yet, we're here not because we've got it together. We're here because we need Jesus and that he welcomes us to come home. So thank you for the worship and for the reminder of that beauty. Okay, so we're going to do something that's going to get you a little bit outside of your comfort, uh, comfort zone this morning, okay? Yes, so I'm going to ask you, it's only going to take like two minutes, I swear, but uh, it'll have a point, I promise. So what I'm going to do is ask you to be willing to get outside your comfort zone just a little bit. Everybody okay with that? Okay, if you're not willing to get out of your comfort zone, then there's a door. Okay, but just for like two minutes, then you can come back in if you want. We, anyway, so here's what I want you to do with the people around you, get into groups of like four to six. So kind of huddle up, right? So kind of scooch over and try to find a group of maybe people you don't talk to very often or you don't know. Um, So, ready? Go. Groups of four to six. Real quick. Right around you somewhere. Just kind of those around you. Let, Let chaos reign. All right, you got five seconds, four, three, two, one, good, okay, you got five seconds each. Thank you for participating, this is great, beautiful chaos we call this, okay, so in the beautiful chaos of this morning, take five seconds each, say your name and what town you live in or city, but I know we're up here in the sticks so you can call it a town. All right, five seconds, go. All right, good. Okay, next question. Five seconds each. How do you like your eggs? Go. All right, good. Okay, time's up. Third question. It's a would you rather, would you rather question. All right, would you rather... Turn into a frog once a month for a whole day or turn into a bird once a week for a day. A frog once a day, once a month for a day, a bird once a week for a day. Go. Frog or bird? And be ready to defend your position. All right. Good. Okay. Show of hands. How many frogs we got in the room? Yeah. Just a couple of frogs. How many birds? All right. There you go. Okay. I don't know what that means, but cool. All right. Last question. Real quick. Five seconds. Who do you go to when you need help or when you need to talk or get advice? Who do you go to? Five seconds. Go. All right, good. Okay, that's it. You made it. You survived. Everybody give yourselves a hand. Way to go. Okay, so you can stay in your groups or you can come back. That's the end of our uncomfortableness until the end of the service. So you can return if you want or stay with your newly found friends. So today we're ending our series in guardrails, right? We've talked about guardrails and that what they mean for us is to help us to stay true, to stay true to who God is asking us to be, to protect us from danger, to remind us of what's most important in our journey of faith, right? Once and for all, God wants us to know how to stay true, to live with guardrails that keep us focused on Jesus, to help us live our lives that honor him, to live as followers of Jesus, and to help us do what we want to do. That's guardrails. And so today we're going to wrap that series up. And it's going to kind of look like three basic questions, and they are the following. Is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? Is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? Second question, who have you told where you need help? Or who have you reached out to? Who have you talked to to ask for help? And third question, who are you checking in on that might need you to be a guardrail for them? Those are going to be the three questions we're going to talk about. The idea of Jesus as the Lord of our life. Is he the Lord of every area, right? If not, if we're not sure, then we need to assess, Lord, where are you not the Lord of every area of my life? Then we need to do what the Bible calls repent, which means you turn and say, God, I I know that you're not the Lord of this area of my life. In some areas I got it, but in these areas I know that I'm not giving you priority. So we need to confess that. And we need to uh, assess where we are and turn, right? And allow God to be the Lord of all of our life. Uh, And then the question is, who have you told? Where are you compromising? Right? Where are you in your journey pushing against the guardrails and maybe stepping over the guardrails just to test it out a little bit? Where are you compromising? And who can you talk to? Third question then is... um, who are you checking in on? We need, we need one another. And uh, there have been people who have checked in on me and have helped me in my journey, have been guardrails, even frustratingly so, uninvited. <laughs> but it's been really good for me. So I want to challenge you, who are you checking in on? Okay, those are the three points. But first, and I love that we had this worship before we started because before we do all of that, the guardrails really focus a lot on the do's and don'ts, right? Don't do this. Don't do this. Stay true. Live right. But more than all that, as we finish the guardrail series, what I felt led to do is to talk about the why. Why would we want to live right? Why would we want to live with integrity? Why does it matter? Um, this whole doing and stuff like that, we want to make sure that we're living to honor God, but why? What's the why? Why? Um, in our lives, it's easier to just do what gives us pleasure or what's easy or what certainly society says. Every show on TV or every Instagram post or everything that we see, pretty much everything, points to a different path. So why? Why would we live a different, a different style or a different way? And uh, I think that it hints to and hinges on one of the core values of of our community. And that is the second one in our kind of church, uh, what's that mantra? And that is the word belong. Uh, That I believe that the why, of why should should it matter how we live, ties to the belong. So, here's what I think. We belong to a family of faith. We belong to God. Not because we're perfect. Not because we don't veer off the road. But we belong because God created us, redeemed us, and loves us and calls us his own. And so the why of why live right, why live differently than the world, all hinges on the fact that we belong to the Father in heaven who calls us to be his children. And this is not our home, right? And he has loved us so much that he wants us to follow him. So Isaiah 43 says this, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you you by name, and you are mine. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, because it's like it takes the whole gospel and says, this is it. I've created you, and then you screwed it up, so I redeemed you, and I call you by name because I love you and you are my children, and there's nothing I won't do. Wanderers, come home, right? Jesus is there because he wants us to know his love. And our core of who we are is that more than being uh, from El Dorado or Andover, where you're from, or more than um, being a frog or a bird, right? What we really are are people created by a God who loves us and calls us his own. And from that then comes the motivation. Colossians 1, this is the gospel, because if you don't fully understand, and I don't know that I fully understand, but if you're here this morning and you're not sure where you're at in your journey of faith, if this idea of following Jesus or being a Christian or this journey of faith is not yet something that you claim as your own, then this do's and don'ts and guardrail stuff, I can see that being an, an, an issue of why bother? Why does it matter? Okay? So this is the core. More than do's and don'ts. This is the truth. Colossians 1.13 says this, that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. So God rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. So he saved us from our mess, right? Jesus endured the agony of the cross, the rejection, uh, the ridicule, the torture, and ultimately the death on the cross so that he can walk with us and so that he can call us his own, so that we can have hope. That he reached into the darkness and pulled us out and gave us life. Amen? That's the core of who we are. And then, this is a great passage I want to read. It's a long one, so bear with me. But it's out of love for us that Christ suffered. So, 2 Corinthians 5 says this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sin against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us is that everything I have? Yes oh no nope it goes on We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God are making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So Christ came, reconciled us, and it's Christ's love that compels us. And he says, be reconciled. And uh, so that's the core. I wanted to make sure that, that we communicate that clearly, that the core of this is not do's and don'ts, but that God has reconciled us. And so because out of love for him, then we are called to follow and to walk that path, to honor him. Um, there's one other way I want to uh, talk about this. There's a guy named um, Robert Madu who is at the National Youth, Youth Workers Convention. Have you guys heard of the, uh, oh no, that's not yet. My brain is going ahead here. The difference, he, wanted to talk, he talked about the difference between fitting in and belonging. Okay? So, he talked about this. I, I, I loved it. He said this, fitting in, is that we change so that we can belong. That's trying to fit in, right? When you change what you do so that you can belong to something. Belonging is we belong to something so that we can change. And this morning, I want to encourage you that we are here as a church and we are a community and we need each other and we don't need each other to change so that we can be accepted. You are accepted. We sing it, come as you are. So God says, I accept you and I love you and you belong to me because I created you. Now that you're part of my family and you understand the depth of my love for you, I call you to grow more like me, to follow me because my love compels you, right? So it's our identity as, as the beloved bride of Christ that compels us to follow him, to move forward as his sons and daughters freed by Jesus. Does that make sense? Amen. So, I just want to make sure we got all of that out of the way. Um, not out of the way, but that, that you hit, hear the core of that that value of our, our belovedness in Jesus. So, um, uh, let's pray for a minute, and then we'll go on. Jesus, thank you so much for your amazing love. That you did redeem us, that you reached into the darkness of our messy lives, and that you startle us with your love and you awaken us and you bring us to light. And I just ask that um, right now that you would shine your light and your love to each one of us. And for all of those who are here this morning, wherever they are in their journey of faith, that you would meet each one of us with your truth and with your love, that we would understand in a deeper way the depth of your love. Um, So I just pray that you would speak and lead in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Awesome. So a couple of things real quick. Is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? As I read these questions, I just want you to honestly think about your own journey. When you are filing your taxes, is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? When you are scrolling through Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? When you are browsing on the TV, channel surfing, or on the internet, Is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? When you are driving, is the Lord the Lord of every area of your life? When you are at work or on break at work, is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? When you are on a date or getting ready for a date or ending a date, is the Lord Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? When you are with your family, at home, with your parents, your siblings, is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? When you're out to eat at a restaurant and the food doesn't come the way that you wanted it or the waitress is having a hard time getting it to you or you don't get what you ordered, is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? When you're interacting with your neighbors, is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? When somebody asks for money or asks for a ride, Is Jesus the Lord of every area of your life? If there's any questions on those, and there are more, then we need to assess that. We need to think about, is Jesus the Lord of every area? And where we have failed to put him first, then we need to take an honest look at that and ask the Lord for forgiveness. And honestly say, God, I want you to be first because you suffered and died for me, so I want to live for you. So um, the question is then, Do we trust God enough to live with integrity? Do we trust God enough that if I say no to what feels good right now, that I'm still going to have joy? Do I trust God enough that if I don't skimp a little bit, that I'm still going to be able to have enough money? Do I trust God enough to wait? And we've talked about sex, we've talked about money, we've talked about alcohol. Do we trust the goodness of our God enough to say I'm going to wait knowing that I will have a greater life than I could have if I give in to the immediate. You know what I mean? This whole journey of living with integrity is all about in the moment what do we put priority on. And as an impulsive young man I can tell you that there are times in my life that I've done stupid things because I forget that Jesus is first. And I forget I have forgotten that. But it's in the moment that we are we hopefully can say Jesus you're more important than whatever it is that is drawing me. Where are the areas in your life where you are living with compromise? Romans 12.3 says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given each of you. So think of yourself with sober judgment. That's basically giving yourself a realistic uh, assessment. There's a thing called the Jahari window. Has anybody ever heard of that? The Jahari window? okay, I saw this. Stuart was with me. They, this guy talked about it. I thought it was really good. Jahari window, there's four different sections. The top left is where we live most of our lives. It's what we know about ourselves and what others know about us. They call that, it's the open area or the arena. All right, this is where most of us live on Facebook or on Instagram or in school or in our job, right? It's what you know and they know. It's out in the open. But then you go down to here, the hidden area. It's what you know But nobody else knows. That's the hidden area of your life. The upper right is what you have no clue. But everybody else sure knows about you, right? That's what we call our blind spot. Okay? And then the bottom right is the unknown. Nobody knows about it and you can't even see it. And we believe that in Christ, he knows all of us. And we are hidden with Christ that he knows us. And if you go to the the next slide. And thank you, Tamara, for running the slide. She's awesome. Um, this is, I believe, the journey of guardrails and of faith is that we slowly move our open arena area to cover all of our areas of life so we don't have hidden. We don't have, this is called, they call it the facade. You know what I mean? Where you think everything looks good and our blind spots become smaller because we have people that can help us. As we grow, we learn what our blind spots are. And as we grow closer to Jesus, he allows us to see more of who we are in him. Um, so I thought this was a really great visual of how, uh, how we are and how we need each other, right? Um, so my second question then as we move through today is where have you told somebody that you need help? Because in our journey, we all have blind spots, but we also have this hidden part where we have that facade. So in your journey of faith, who do you have in your life that you can tell? And the same guy that showed this window, I thought it was great, he said this, not everybody has to know all of your junk, right? Ain't everybody got to know everything that you do or where you struggle, but somebody has to. Not everybody has to know what you're dealing with, but somebody has to know. You got to tell somebody James five sixteen says this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So, in your journey, don't harbor those secret sins. If you're close to compromise, don't keep it to yourself. Why? Why can't we allow that hidden area of our lives to not be exposed? I can tell you why we don't want anybody to know. Because it's embarrassing, right? Nobody wants to know where I screw up. That's the easy one. Why not is if we share it then, it, it exposes to the light the hidden sins in our lives, right? And where do we fail most often? When we are alone, right? So when you are alone or isolated, that's when we fail, doesn't matter what you're struggling with, um, but we know that, right? The enemy also knows that. Satan knows that when we are isolated and alone, we are just victims to the onslaught of compromise, and and it clouds right and wrong. Um, uh, and we need we need each other, right? So. Um, this next slide is a picture of what I was doing this last week. I went to visit a friend of mine. His name's Ricky. Last time I was speaking, I talked about Ricky and Melissa. Uh, Melissa was diagnosed with a brain tumor on her uh, the stem of her brain on the right side. It's inoperable because it's like so close to the brain stem. And so uh, this week I had free so to speak and I went down to hang out with Ricky for the week and it was an amazing time to be there it was also very difficult Um, but Ricky needed help and so the first thing I want to say is this, I didn't know about Melissa's tumor but Ricky called me about two months ago and said hey man I just want you to know Melissa's got a brain tumor and uh, that's awesome (laughs) yes, Yes, let's focus on what's most important (laughs) Okay. So anyway, so uh, I would not have known how to help Ricky if he didn't tell me. And I'm so glad because as soon as I knew that his wife had a, had a brain tumor and is fighting for her life, I was, I was on it, right? I was like, dude, I want to come see you. I want to just be there. I want to do all the house projects you can't get done. I want to do all the things that you can't do when you're struggling with somebody who's having chemo and three kids, as you can see, And just because they're here, I'll tell you that my mom and dad are right here. Everybody say, hi, mom and dad. Yay. They're, they're, They're amazing. And as I was hanging out with Ricky, helping him, what kept coming to my mind was, I wonder what my parents would do. Because they have loved me faithfully throughout the years. And so as I was serving Ricky, I was thinking, yep, my mom would come and visit my house and do the dishes. I hate doing dishes, right? But I'm doing dishes for Ricky. Going, my mom did this for me. You know what I mean? So they set an example for me of sacrificial love. So I'm, I'm honored to have them here this morning. It's great. Um, so we can't help each other if we don't know. So I encourage you to be honest about your struggles. The second thing is a little kid that's on my shoulders. His name is Xavier. Um, Melissa is a Pueblo Indian. She's fully Pueblo, full-blooded Pueblo. And so the kids have uh, Pueblo Indian names. His name is Kayash. So I called him Captain K, Kayash. Uh, he was with me nonstop, high energy, um, constantly on the walls and on my back and stuff like that. Well, he also was like, had this nose for candy. And the kid, like, he got these things called trolleys. They're the gummy worms or whatever, you know, trolleys. The kid was like scavenging for him. And I would put him on top of the fridge. I put him and he would just like, he, I found him. I would come downstairs and he'd be on the pantry like looking for trolleys, man. It was so funny. But um, I couldn't leave him alone. First of all, because he was so addicted to trolleys. But also, he was an eight-year-old kid, and his dad was really busy helping his mom go to the bathroom and take chemo and all that stuff. So I pretty much took care of uh, Kaiosh, which was an, uh, an amazing blessing. But I thought it's a perfect image, because when he was left alone, he would go right to the thing he knew he wasn't supposed to do. You know what I mean? And we are all like that, right? We have a lot of Kaiosh in us, right? That when we're left alone, we're like, sweet, nobody's here. We go right to what we know we shouldn't go to. Even though we've been told again and again, Kayash, no candy, Kayash, no candy, Kayash, no candy. You can't have candy, bro. You can't have candy, right? And so uh, for us, it's important to know that when we're alone, it's when we are susceptible. And we live in a digital world that isolates us, right? I mean, um, we are in in a dangerous place. We have cell phones, we have laptops. And we live in a, in a world that is so connected digitally but so isolated relationally, right? And so we can hide. Our young people are exposed to, a, to things online that, they, that some of the adults probably never even saw. You know what I mean? And so we live in a world where isolation is the norm. And so it is so dangerous. And I believe that that's a huge part of why kids today struggle with right and wrong. Because it's their judgment's clouded because they're left isolated, and then it's hard to know what's right and wrong because what you're seeing when you're alone, right, or what you're experiencing is different than when you're with people. And um, so this is also a call to us as a church and as parents to be praying for our students to be uh, in dialogue with them and students for you to be open and honest with your parents or your friends or your youth leaders or your small group leaders because it's when you're alone that the enemy is having a heyday and it's important that you're willing to be honest and ask for help. Okay? Because when we're alone, that's when we can fail. Um, I know that from my own journey. I'm going to get real for a second, okay? Not everybody's got to know my junk, but somebody has to. So I'm going to tell you something that happened to me a couple years ago when I was serving at uh, the, the church. Um, I was, uh, there was a mom, married, and I had, uh, I ran into her at a few different activities off and on. And then we, st- I started following her on Instagram, okay? And then she would text about the kids and stuff because we have kids, so I'm going to keep it really general because I want to maintain confidentiality. I found myself, because I love to joke around, joking. By text and by messenger. Um, that's okay. Uh, but what happened was it became more fun than it needed to be. And I found myself thinking like I wanted to text her and then I wanted to see her. And I could tell that little thing in my head going, uh, this ain't right. You know what I mean? I could feel that. But I was embarrassed. And I was like, no, this is dumb. And, you know, it'll, nothing will ever happen, whatever but i could feel it right like when i was with her i would feel those jitters you know when you're with somebody that you kind of like and i was like dude what is happening you know what i mean and i knew i knew it so i wrestled with it and i finally called my friend larry in cincinnati who i've talked to you guys about he's my brother he's my iron that sharpens me and i called him i was like dude i'm really embarrassed this is weird i haven't dealt with this before but this is kind of what i'm feeling and he's like, okay, what are you going to do? I was like, ah, well, I could unfollow her and, you know, whatever. So, I, he, didn't even, he didn't even give me any advice, right? But what I did is I unfollowed her and then I just kept it really distant, you know what I mean? Because I, I was like, I know what I have to do. So, um, but it was humiliating to call him and have to just admit that. Um, but here's the deal. What would have been more embarrassing would be the headline in the news that says, youth pastor's fired because he was caught in an affair with a a married mom. Right? That would be more embarrassing. That would be humiliating and destructive to the kingdom. And so, in our journey, you gotta tell somebody and suffer the humiliation of the now to avoid the humiliation of the church and of your savior who gave his life for you. So I'm challenging you to be Real and honest with somebody. Ain't everybody got to know, but somebody's got to know. Somebody's got to know. You can't walk it alone. I promise you. If you stay alone and keep it secret, you will lose. Does anybody disagree with me on that? Because we can talk about it? Okay. I just want to make sure. We can talk afterwards. Okay. I'm going to move ahead. So, second thing is, um, no, I want to take just a 2nd they We're going to play 30 seconds of quiet music. I'd like for you to think about on your, in your own journey? Where have you compromised? And who do you need to talk to? Who's the somebody that you need to talk to? Okay? I just want to right now just give you a minute to do that, right? So Lord, speak and lead in Jesus' name. Who are you checking in on? So who needs you to be their guardrail? Who needs you to check in on them? The metaphor I thought in my head was how much kids hate it. My sons hate it when I walk into their room without knocking. Right? Dad who knock on the door, right? I'm Sorry, bro. I, I pay the mortgage. I get to open the door. But um, I still knock, right? But nobody really likes it when you barge in, but we need help. So here is my thought. Proverbs 27.6 says this. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Proverbs 27.6. So, in your life, if a friend or family member comes to you and says, hey, what are you doing? Or, hey, are you sure that that's right? Or, hey, I don't think that you're doing a good thing or whatever. Don't get mad. Don't be offended. Right? We need to be open to one another and be willing to receive from each other. I think the, hey, bro, I love you, but are you sure that that's right? You know, hey, sister, I'm not sure that that's the way you should be posting or, you know, I'm not sure that that's the way to take that test with all the answers. You know what I mean? Whatever. Um, Be willing to receive from those people in your life, especially if you know that they love you, right? Um, so I had, had to get this picture in. We all know Brady. I wish he was here. But Brady Sharp, yes. You can tell him I messed with him. So I needed, I needed Brady this week because he usually helps on Sunday morning with the gathering for youth. And he texted me two weeks ago. Hey, I can't be there in two weeks. So I was like, cool, got it. So then he texted me this earlier last week. Hey, remember I won't be there. I was like, got it, cool. Then he texted me this week I was gone at Ricky's house. Hey, remember I won't be there. I was like, got it. So he texted me yesterday. Hey, Eric, remember I won't be there. You know? And and the funny thing was I hadn't said anything to anybody. Like I totally I would say got it and then I wouldn't. I'd forget. And that's my blind spot, man. I forget crap all the time. And so Brady, he knew that. And so he texted me yesterday, Hey bro, did you remember when I was gonna be there? And I was like, Oh my goodness. Hey leaders, can anybody come and help out, right? Look at me planning ahead, right? So I needed Brady to be my guardrail, right? Hey, bro, remember, you suck at this, so I'm going to remind you, you know? And we all have those areas where we need people to be our buffers. Um, Another next picture is this. This happened in 2012. This is me, yep, with a broken neck at uh, the hospital in Wichita. So my friend and I were at a a staff retreat at church, and uh, they had an 80-foot grain silo, and it had a cable coming down. I was like, dude, that's awesome. Right? I can zip line down that cable 80 feet down into this cornfield. So we have a little zip line at my house for my boys. So I went and hook, unhooked it, put it on that thing. And so on break during our staff m- retreat, I climbed up to the silo with my friend. And, um, and I was like, hey, you want to go first? I was so excited. And he's like, no, you go ahead. I, like, I wanted him to have the experience. So anyway, I take off and I'm hooping and hollering, woohoo, and I'm hanging on the zipline. And I never even checked how the thing was going to end. Like, I, I, I didn't even look. I assumed every time you zip line, it sags and then slows down, right? So I start going down this little kid trolley, and it's like, and it's tight, and it's going faster and faster. And I see this wood block at the end with like a pole. And all of a sudden, I go, ha ha, this isn't really that funny anymore, right? I'm going faster and faster and I hit, I hold, I, I hit the end, and I brace myself, and, and it rips out of my hands, and my body does a full flip in the air, and I slam on the ground, per- perfectly flat, and by God's grace, and the 27,000 guardian angels that God has given me, I, I lived, but the doctor said, if you had landed more this way, your neck would have snapped, or more this way, and your spine, you know, like your lower back, whatever, so I landed flat, and it cracked the vertebrae here on my neck, and I, I got to be like that for six weeks and afterwards, the staff, the guy that was, was with me, he, there was two guys and one of them stayed down below and he was like, yeah, man, I thought about saying like, dude, are you sure? <laughs> you know? And, I, and, and let me be very clear, it was not his fault, right? I made the decision. But he didn't say, hey, bro, I don't think you should do this, this is stupid, Right? Or, hey, did you think about the end of the zip line? Like, what's at the end? How's it going to stop? Like, all these things are going through his head. And I'm going, what? Zip line, right? Like, I, I, that's my blind spot. I don't think about some of the consequences. I think about, dude, this is going to be so freaking awesome. It's going to be great. And then halfway down, I'm going, I don't know. How I'm going to stop, right? So, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, that is my father. So, <laughs> by God's grace, I am here today and alive. Um, but my encouragement to you is this. I need to be open to people coming to me and saying, hey, dummy, did you remember? Did you remember? Did you remember? Or, hey, did you think about? Did you think about? Did you think about? Because those are areas of my life that are blind spots for me. Okay? And so wherever you have blind spots, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm not sure that this is okay? My encouragement to us as a family is that we can say I'll listen to that or thank you I know you love me rather than be like you don't have any right to tell me what to do. Right? Um, But we need to listen and allow one another to be guardrails. Okay? Because we are stronger together as God's beloved people. Amen? I want to close with this scripture. Psalm 141. Um, This really sums up for me, I feel like, this whole passage about guardrails. So read with me. It says this. I call to you, Lord. Come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So here he's asking, Lord, keep me safe. Keep me from doing and saying stupid things. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. Right? The things that lead us off the path always look good. Then he says this, let a righteous man strike me. That is kindness. I love it. It's the holy, what are you doing? Right? We need righteous men and women in our lives to strike us and say, listen dummy, whack, stop. So he says, um, Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. And this, But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they have laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. The guardrails of life, the guardrails of church, the guardrails of community enable us to walk in safety with our eyes on Jesus. And our greatest gift to one another is to say, hey bro, hey sister, are you keeping your eyes on Jesus? Are you walking the path? Not because you have to, but because it's the greatest journey that you'll know. Because in obedience to Christ is, is the fulfillment of his glory and the story that he's writing in our lives. And he wants us to simply obey. And uh, so here's what I want to do. I have, uh, they'll show on the screen. Um, I want to invite you to join with me in something. This is a 40 day prayer covenant. We have 40 days until the end of the year and then four more. So it's like January 4th. But starting tomorrow, um, I'm going to ask if you want to, to join with me in a 40 day prayer covenant where we would daily say, we want to keep our eyes on Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of every area of my life. This prayer covenant was uh, written and started by uh, the pastor of my church when I was a little kid, Doctor Jerry Kirk, and um, my dad prays this, and I pray this for my boys. So I wanted to invite you to. I wanted to invite you to join with me in this. So there's a text number if you want to. Um, it's the the text number is two zero two nine five seven seven. This is kind of cool. If you forget that number, I, I looked it up. It's three one six. It's 20 ok. Which is kind of cool. So it's 20 pp So join me in prayer. 20 awk pee Just and then put put in there 40-day prayer. 40-day prayer. Yeah. 20 oc is Am I great? That way you can remember if Amber says, hey, text this to the, the texting number, you go, oh, what is that? Something 20, 20 aock You can, awkward pee-pee, I think that's great. Okay, anyway, that's not on the prayer card, that was extra. So, if you want to join me in this, we will be, uh, I will be endeavoring to send out a short reminder every day to keep your eyes on Jesus and to pray through this prayer covenant. It has prayers and the main one that that for us is going to be, Lord, would you be the Lord of my life today in new ways and change me any way that you want to? Right? So our prayer is, Lord, be the Lord of my life in new ways and in every way that we would honor him. So let's close in prayer. Uh, as, thanks for listening. Jesus, thank you for your amazing love. Thank you for the way that you reached into our darkness and pulled us out into your light. And thank you that when we wander from the path that you welcome us back, that there's nothing we could ever do that is too far from your grace. Um, Jesus, I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes on you and that you would help Hope Covenant Church to be a church that is willing to give and receive guardrails for one another, that we could live with our eyes on you and where we feel uh, compromise coming on, Lord, I pray you would protect us and empower us to stand together as your freed, redeemed people. Um, Where there are people here today who are hurting, we ask Jesus that you would bring your healing as you welcome us home do what you need to in our lives, Jesus, as we look to you. Thank you for your love that welcomes us home, and we pray these things, Jesus, trusting you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening.